0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. I have three parts for you today. In part one, I'll review our latest Prima Veta match. In part two, I'll review our latest Femminile match and in part 3, I'll preview our final match of the calendar year, which is against Spezia on Wednesday. So let's start with the Primavera who played our 13th match of the season on Sunday. We played against Roma, who have been at the top of the table for quite some time now, and they've been slowly pulling away from the rest of the pack. They came into this match 9 points clear of 2nd place Torino, and 11 points ahead of us. We were tied with Inted and Cagliari for 3rd place, on 19 points Roma traveled to napoli having yet to lose a single game this season in fact they only dropped points in three matches which were draws to milan empoli and juventus their other nine matches were all victories what makes their record even more impressive is that they've continued to deliver results despite having players constantly called up to the senior team Jose Mourinho has basically abandoned his reserve players and used Primavera players instead. The most notable call-up has been Felix efena who was the Primavera's leading goal scorer before he got the call-up, and now he's a regular fixture on the senior team. efena had 6 goals through the first 5 matches of the season before he was called up to the senior team, but his strike partner Joel Volkerlingperson has carried the torch. He has 4 goals and 2 assists since match day 6. So Roma have been firing on all cylinders. Meanwhile, Napoli have sputtered over our last couple of matches. Since beating Lecce at 1-0, we lost back-to-back matches against Inter and Cagliari. Now, every team loses matches. Two losses in a row is not the end of the world, especially for a newly promoted club. With how well we've started this season, it's easy to forget that we were playing in Primavera duet last season. But what concerned me was how we lost those matches because they were some of our worst performances of the season. While Roma has the best attack in the league, and the best defense for that matter, only two teams had scored fewer goals than Napoli heading into this match. But Frustelupi did have a couple more players at his disposal than he had against Cagliari as both Colisaco and Davide Costanzo returned from suspension. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Roma lined up in a 3-4-1-2 with Davide Mastrantonio in goal. Dimitrios Keramizzi started in the center of the back three with Matteo Pellegrini to his left and captain Filippo Tripi to his right. Giacomo Faticanti and Benjamin Tahirovic started in the center of the midfield with Jan Olivares on the left side and Quarantine Luakima on the right side. Alessio Riccardi played as the trequartista and Volker Persson and Luigi Cherubini played as the dual strikers. For Napoli, Niccolò Frustalupi switched from his usual 3-4-1-2 to a 3-5-2 with Huberi in goal. Benedetto Barba played in the center of the back three with Davide Costanzo to his left and Daniel Hisai to his right. Antonio Vergara started in the center of the midfield with Colisacco to his left and Alessandro Spavone to his right. Enrico Giannini got only his second start of the season playing as the left wing back and Matteo Marquezano started at right wing back. Finally, Antonio Trofi and Giuseppe D'Agostino started as the front two, which relegated Giuseppe Ambrosino to the bench. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's get to the match. It was a bright, sunny day at Cercola, which was nice to see after playing in such dreadful conditions against Cagliari. Roma got the first chance of the match in the 8th minute from a corner kick, Riccardi played an outswinging cross into the area, Giannini headed the ball out, but only to the edge of the area and it fell for Cherubini who hit the ball fiercely from about 25 yards out, but the ball drifted just wide of the upright. I thought Tahirovic was making his presence felt early in the match. In the 16th minute, he played a gorgeous ball to Riccardi with the outside of his right boot, which nearly led to an excellent scoring opportunity, but Costanzo made an important clearance. Then a minute later, he took a speculative shot from about 30 yards out, and it bounced comfortably into the hands of Idasiak. Despite those few attempts, Napoli played really, really well, certainly better than in our previous matches. I thought both Chophi and D'Agostino were looking very lively right from the opening kickoff. In the 20th minute, Chophy won a corner kick that would eventually lead to a Napoli penalty kick. After two attempts to cross the ball into the area, the ball fell for Vergara. He made a lovely drop of the shoulder to get past Pellegrini. Pellegrini stuck his leg out and caught Vergara late and Napoli were correctly awarded the penalty. Chofi took the penalty which he hit really well towards the bottom corner but Mastrantonio made an incredible save to keep it out. Napoli continued to apply the pressure though and in the 26th minute D'Agostino won a corner kick which was cleared to the edge of the area where he then won a free kick. Trippi was cautioned for his late tackle on the Napoli striker there. D'Agostino and Sacco both stood over the ball, but Sacco took the shot with his left boot. He struck the ball really well towards the top left corner of the goal, but Master Antonio was set up on that side of the goal and pushed the shot over the bar. About 5 minutes later, D'Agostino and Trophy linked up again, or at least they tried to. D'Agostino played a long ball into the area, and Master Antonio absolutely destroyed Trophy. Initially, the commentator said that Napoli were awarded another penalty kick. But somehow the foul was called against Trophy instead. Credit to Trophy though, he got right back up and continued to play. In the 41st minute D'Agostino played another long ball to him. The pass was slightly under hit this time, but Trophy made an excellent touch to push the ball forward and get behind the Roma back line. He had only Master Antonio to beat, but the keeper made yet another ridiculous save, this time with his right leg to protect his clean sheet. Roma were not to be outdone though, in the first minute of stoppage time they forced Idasiak to make 2 brilliant saves, the play started with a Roma corner kick, which Sacco headed clear, the ball fell to Kerubini outside the area and he blasted it on target, but Idasiak made the save, then the rebound fell to Volker Person, but Idasiak got low to make the save on him as well, finally Keremitsis had a 3rd attempt but his shot missed the target. So even though neither team scored, the first half was really entertaining and the quality of football was really, really high. The excitement continued into the second half and only five minutes after the restart, Roma were awarded a penalty kick. Roma broke on the counter and played across into the area. Oliveras headed the ball towards the goal and Costanzo blocked the shot with his arm. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was trying to block the shot with his head and inadvertently blocked it with his arm. Otherwise, he could have just left the ball for Idasic to stop because the header was actually pretty weak. Riccardi took the penalty and went straight down the middle to put Roma ahead 1-0. Credit to our boys though, they did not let the goal get them down and only 5 minutes later, Giannini lobbed the ball forwards towards the Roma box... Chofi out-muscled Tripi, then he got a touch on the ball just before Keremitsis got there. Trophy took one more touch before bending his shot with the instep of his right boot around Master Antonio and into the back of the goal. Roma came right back the other way though and should have gone back ahead through substitute Christian Volpato. In fact this was immediately after Volpato came into the game. He played the ball out wide to another substitute, Filippo Mizori. He played a low cross into the area, which Idasic tried to intercept. He got a hand on the ball, but he couldn't hold on. It ended up on the foot of Volpato, who tried to place his shot into the goal, but somehow Idasic got just enough of the ball for it to pop over the goal for a corner kick. I know Volpato probably thought Idasik was down and out and was just focusing on hitting the target, but from that close to the goal, you just need to put your foot through the ball. With the clock ticking, Frustalupi surprisingly replaced Trophy with Giuseppe Ambrosino. I'm not surprised he put Ambrosino on, he's our top scorer, but I am surprised he removed Chofi who is one of our best players and has been one of our best players all season. I think we would have been better off removing one of those midfielders and putting Ambrosino on to play with Trophy and D'Agostino who he's more than used to playing with. I imagine Frustalupi only made this change because the game was level and Frustalupi would have been content with a draw against the top team in the league. Unfortunately, the game did not stay level for long in the 78th minute Roma went ahead on their second penalty kick of the match. Some people even felt it was a poor decision altogether. The play started with Oliveres crossing the ball into the area from the left wing. He cleared the ball towards the top of the box. Spavone went to clear the ball out, but in his follow through he caught Satriano and since he was still in the area, the penalty was given. They were both running away from the Napoli goal, which is why this penalty was so avoidable. Had Spavone simply allowed the ball to roll out of the area, there would have been no penalty. Satriano took the penalty kick himself and scored a la Jorginho with a hesitation that sent Idasiak diving in the wrong direction, so Roma went ahead 2-1. The action died down for a little while after that, and then we had a wild finish to the match. In the second minute of stoppage time, Giovanni Mercurio played a free kick into the area. Master Antonio punched the ball out, but straight to a Napoli player. I couldn't tell who it was, but he didn't get the shot off. Roma were unable to clear the danger though and D'Agostino got a better shot off, but it was cleared off the line. With Napoli pushing forward, the field was wide open and as a result, Roma had three excellent chances to add a third goal. Volpato missed a tap-in in in the 93rd minute, then Satriano put a powerful shot on target but it was straight at Idasiak, and with the final kick of the match, Satriano's free kick crashed off the bar and stayed out. In the end though, Roma did not need that third goal. went on to win the match 2-1. This was our 3rd consecutive loss and as a result we've dropped out of the playoff zone. The table is so tight that over the past 2 matches we dropped from 2nd in the table all the way down to 8th. Torino remained 2nd with a 2-0 win over Bologna. Cagliari stayed within a point of Torino with a 2-1 win over Hellas Verona. So over 2 matches they've jumped from 11th in the table all the way up to 3rd. Genoa and Juventus are tied in 4th on 21 points after beating Atalanta and Ampoli respectively. That kept Atalanta 1 point behind us in the table along with Fiorentina who didn't play their match against Spal due to a COVID outbreak in the Viola camp. In fact, we were supposed to play Fiorentina midweek but for the same reason, that match has been postponed. That means the Azzurini will go on their winter break and return on January 7th for another big match against Genoa. I thought our play in this match was much improved from the previous 2 or 3, which was encouraging to see. That'll do for part 1. In part 2, we'll review our Femminile's latest Coppa Italia match. Welcome to part 2 of the Napoli podcast. Next, let's review our Femminile's Coppa Italia match that was played on Saturday. This was our second and final match of the group stage, and it was our second match against Empoli in our last three matches. We lost the previous meeting 1-0. That was the first match we played after the international break and with our new coaches. Ironically, neither of them were available for this match. Giulia Domenichetti contracted COVID, and Roberto Castorina was not available for personal reasons. So as a result, our Primavera coach, Pasquale Iliano was called up to make his coaching debut for the senior team. I was surprised to see that Iliano did not start our captain Eleonora Goldoni, who I think is our best player. I'm sure that decision though was made by Domenichetti and Castorina, not Iliano. Meanwhile, Fiorentina coach Udarici fielded nearly the exact same squad that he used against Fiorentina in Serie A. The only change he made was to start Gloria Ciccioli over Alessia Capelletti in goal. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Empoli lined up in a 4-3-3 with Ciccioli in goal. Eleonora Binazzi and Anna Nol started at centre-back. Saramella played at left-back and Aurora Darita played at right-back. Norma Chinotti started in the centre of the midfield with Gemma Prunia to her left and Melissa Bellucci to her right. Shante Dompig started on the left wing. Elisabetta Oliviero started on the right wing. And Izota Noki started at striker. So two ex-Nobli players started in the Empoli front three. Napoli lined up in a 4-3-3 as well with Yolanda Aguirre in goal. Paola Di Marino and Hedin Corrado started at centre-back. Marie Awona played at left-back and Sadia Bramson played at right-back. Sara Tui started in the centre of the midfield with Sofia Colombo to her left and Emma Severini to her right. Evi Popadinova started on the left wing. Kaya Erdson started on the right wing. And Sola James started at striker. Unfortunately, where I am, not even the highlights were available for this match, but between the two clubs' websites and Twitter accounts, I've managed to put together a fairly comprehensive review. Empoli had the first chance of the match after a mental lapse by Aguirre, who picked up the back pass from Corrado. As a result, Empoli were awarded an indirect free kick, which was taken by Prunia, but nothing came of it. There was a scrum in the area before Noki missed the target. A minute later Napoli had a chance at the other end, also from a free kick, but Sole wasn't able to score. Napoli continued to push forward and created quite a few chances around the midway point of the first half. First, Saratui tried her luck from distance but her shot finished over the bar. Then immediately after that, Sole and Popadinova combined before Popadinova's shot finished just wide of the mark. Saratui got another chance a minute later, this time she hit the target, but her shot, which was destined for the bottom corner... Was stopped by Chicholo. shortly after that Chicholo made yet another save this time on Popadinova so Napoli were all over Empoli unfortunately our momentum was disrupted in the 28th minute when Abramson was forced to leave the match she went into an aerial duel with Dompig and took a knock to the head which is always very scary so hopefully she will be okay you never want to see a player get hurt but in a way Napoli benefited from the change. Abramson was replaced by Ariana Akuti, and less than 10 minutes after coming off the bench, Akuti opened the scoring. In the 35th minute, Akuti got behind the Empoli backline and the flag stayed down. She beat the challenging Chicciolo with a diagonal shot that put Napoli ahead 1 0. That was Akuti's second goal of the season. Her first goal was the only one in our 1 0 victory over Fiorentina in Serie A. Empoli responded really well though, first Prunia played the ball to Dompig but her shot caught too much of the goal and Agita made the save. Then in the 40th minute, Chinotti took advantage of the indecision of our back line and scored the equalizer only 5 minutes after we took the lead. Empoli nearly went ahead just before the break but Di Marino made an important block on Noel after a wild scramble in the area so the first half ended all level at 1. Unfortunately Aguirre picked up a knock so she was replaced by our friend of the pod Kelly Cavaro who played in goal for the second half. The second half was a bit quieter than the first but we still created our chances in the 64th minute Colombo tested Chicholo, but the keeper made another save. Then in the 70th minute Ertzen, Akuti and James combined to create a chance but Cinnotti made a good block. Finally in the 75th minute Di Marino was the first to the ball on Ertzen's corner kick but her header just missed the target. So Napoli were certainly the more positive side, we definitely created more chances to score, and we probably deserved a second goal, but ultimately, the match finished 1-1. As I mentioned in a previous episode, the other two matches in the group stage also finished 1-1, which means all three teams in the group, the other being Chiavo Verona's women, finished tied in every single category, points, goals for, goals against, and therefore goal differential, That means the team to advance to the knockout stage, which is the quarterfinals, will be determined by a random draw. Napoli's goalscorer Ariana Akuti spoke to the media after the match. She said, this one by one is the result of that determination that was asked of us and that we finally put on the field. Also, thanks to the fact that in the last few days, we looked into each other's eyes, speaking clearly between us. Regarding the second half of the Serie A season, she said we must do everything to achieve the goal, but we must always put today's attitude on the field, the coverage of the spaces and the attention that has characterized today's performance. The Feminile are now on winter break, so the second half of the season will not commence until the new year. We play our return fixture against Inter on January 16th. We'll be playing that match and every other match of the season without Ilaria Capitanelli She has returned to Bari, who had loaned us to her at the start of the season. In her place, we've signed 28-year-old striker Romina Pina, who was a part of the Pomigliano team that earned promotion to Serie A last season. She scored 13 goals in that season, as well as in the 2018-19 season with Chievo. This season, she has scored 2 goals in 8 appearances before joining Napoli. That will do for Part 2. In Part 3, we'll preview our match on Wednesday. Against Spezia. Welcome to part 3 of the Forza Napoli podcast. We'll close the episode with a quick preview of our match on Wednesday against Spezia. This is our final match of the calendar year, and it could be Thiago Mota's final match in charge at La Spezia. There have been multiple reports that he could lose his job if Spezia lose. It's been a rough ride for Mota so far this season. His team has collected only 3 wins and 4 draws. So coming into this match, Spezia were only 3 points clear of the relegation zone. Genoa picked up a precious point in a 0-0 draw with Atalanta on Tuesday, reducing the gap to 2 points. Cagliari and Salernitana both lost. Cagliari lost 2-0 to Juventus, and Salernitana forfeited their match against Udinese after the local ASL did not allow them to travel to Udine. That sounds awfully familiar. I'm sure they will appeal that decision because obviously there is a precedent set by Napoli last season. It may not even matter though because if Claudio Lotito does not sell the club by December 31st, then Salernitana could be removed from Serie A altogether. Back to Spezia though, they're actually not that far off from where they were in the table this time last season, at least in terms of their position in the table. After 18 rounds last season, they were tied with Genoa on 15 points, 4 points clear of the relegation zone. They finished the 2020-21 campaign 6 points clear of the relegation zone, so they're basically on pace to do the same thing this season. The difference is the bottom of the table was a bit stronger last season than it is this season. Spezia needed 39 points to finish 6 points clear of the relegation zone last season. Even if they win this match, they would only be on pace for 32 points. This is a special match for Luciano Spalletti. He played 141 games for La Spezia wearing the captain's armband, and scoring 7 goals during that time. According to Tuttosport, Sport, Spalletti has a home in La Ricci and his best friend Saverio is another former Spezia player, so there's definitely some sentimental value here for the Mister, but of course he'll put those emotions aside for 90 minutes, with the hope of finishing the year strong. In fact, I think the return fixture to La Spezia might be more emotional for him than this match, which will be played at the Maradona. Spalletti said in his pre-match conference on Tuesday that he's hungry for wins and on Wednesday he wants to see Napoli play with great intensity which I think is a hint as to what to expect in terms of Napoli's approach. I think we're going to press Spezia for the ball and try to dominate possession. Spalletti will have a similar squad at his disposal for this match. Victor Osman, Fabian Ruiz and Kalidou Koulibaly are still all out with their respective injuries. Mario Rui and Lorenzo Insignia both completed the full group training on Monday, but then on Tuesday, Insignia tested positive for COVID, so Insignia will miss yet another match. It's been a tough month of December for him, but thankfully we'll have two weeks off after this match, so hopefully he recovers from COVID and the various injuries that have nagged him so that he can return fit for the Juventus match. We will have Mario Rui back in the squad though, so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. In the interest of time, I'm going to give you Gazzetta dello Sport's predicted 11 for La Spezia. They'll line up in their usual 3-5-2 formation with Ivan Provadel in goal. Martin Ehrlich should start in the center of the back three with Dimitrios Nicolau to his left and Kelvin Amian to his right. Jakub Kiwior should start as the regista behind Julio Maggiore and Viktor Kovalenko. Arkadouj will likely start at left-wing back, and Emmanuel Giassi should start at right-wing back. Finally, Mbala Nzola and Ray Menai should start as the two strikers. For Napoli, Luciano Spalletti will likely stick to the 4-2-3-1 again with Davido Spina in goal. With Kulibali out and Manolas gone, Juan Jesus and Amir Rachmani will start again at centre-back. I think we'll see Mario Rui return to left back. He's had a week and a half to recover from the muscular fatigue that caused him to miss the Milan match. That will allow Giovanni Di Lorenzo to return to his regular position at right back. I think Frank Zambo and Giza will start in the double pivot, but given how Diego Demis struggled in the Milan match, and given how well Stanislav Lobotka played in that match, I think Lobotka will start in the double pivot with Anguisa. With Insignia out of the squad again, I don't think we'll see any change to the three players behind the striker. That means Elif Elmas will start on the left wing, Chuki Lozano would start on the right wing, and Piotr Zielinski would start in the number 10. I do wonder though whether the club will play Zielinski on short rest. If he doesn't start, then I think we would simply slot Adam Munez into that position. Even though Spalletti has previously favored Elmes as the backup number 10, he's doing well on the wing, so I don't think Spalletti would want to mess with that. Finally, I think we'll see Dries Mertens come back into the starting eleven in place of Andrea Petagna. So those are our starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is one that I've used often when we play against clubs near the bottom of the table, and that is that we need to stay focused. This could easily be a letdown game similar to the match against Stampoli. We played that match after a big win over Leicester City in the Europa League. Of course, we're playing this match after a massive win over Milan, so there's always the concern that we let our guard down a little bit. Hopefully, they'll learn their lesson from that match against Empoli and show up ready for this one. There are a few key differences between those two matches as well. First, Empoli have been much better than Spezia has this season. There's a pretty big gap in quality there. I'm surprised Spezia were able to hold Empoli to a draw at the weekend, though Empoli were rather fortunate with how they scored. Second, our team is in better physical condition now than they were a week and a half ago. That was Anguissa's first match back, and you could see that he clearly wasn't fully fit. Zielinski left that match very early, so we had to play an injured Insignia. Insignia is not available, but Zielinski appears to have recovered, and Diego Demme and Mateo Politano have both had additional time to recover, though I'm not expecting either of them to start. Finally, this is the final match before a two-week layoff, so I think the players can leave it all out there on the field, knowing that they'll have plenty of time to recover afterwards. My second key to the match is that we need to win the aerial duels, particularly inside our own third. In other words, we need to be good at defending the cross because Spezia like to attack and create through the wings. Spezia don't score often. In fact, only three other teams have scored fewer goals than they have this season, Salernitana, Cagliari and Venezia. But often when they do score, it comes from crosses into the area. So if we defend the cross well, I think we'll make it very difficult for them to score Hopefully that match against Milan has gotten us back on track from a defensive standpoint. We still have the fewest goals conceded in the league, but Inter are right there with us now. They've only conceded two more goals than we have. That's because we've conceded nine goals in our last seven matches. Of course, Koulibaly has been injured for most of those matches. Meanwhile, Inter have only conceded three goals during that stretch and have recorded five consecutive clean sheets. The last goal they conceded was Dries Merton's Wonder Strike, in our 3-2 loss just about a month ago my final key to the match is that we need to be accurate with our shooting and i don't simply mean we need to hit the target Provodel is a strong enough keeper that if you show him too much of the ball he's probably going to make the save spezia also seem to have quite a bit of luck on their side i don't have the stats in front of me but i wouldn't be surprised if spezia were top in the league in terms of the number of times their opponents hit the upright It seems to happen against them two or three times a match. We used to lead the league in terms of shots that we take that hit the frame of the goal, but that no longer seems to be the case. I was glad to see Elmas score against Milan, though. I was worried about where the goals were going to come from if Mertens didn't score and he didn't even start that match. We spoke quite a bit about Patania last episode. He's obviously not scoring so much. Lozano has struggled to score this season as well. Thankfully, Zielinski's injury wasn't serious because he is one of our better goal scorers. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 3-0 Napoli win on goals from the three players I just mentioned, Mertens, Elmes, and Zielinski, though I'd love to see Rachmani get one, he's been outstanding for us this season and he's actually quite good in the air on set pieces. I don't think this will be a letdown performance as I talked about in our keys to the match, quite the contrary. I think Spalletti wants to make a statement before we wrap up the calendar year. I know we've dropped a lot of points in the last month or so, but if you told me at the start of November that we'd have to play a stretch of games against Hellas Verona, Inter, Lazio, Sassuolo, Atalanta, and Milan and that we'd have to play most of those games without our best striker, our best midfielders, and our best center back, if you told me all of that and said that we'd come out only 4 points back of 1st place, I think I'd be quite content with that. So that will do for this preview, I hope you enjoy the match. That will also do for this episode, if you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend, and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I'll be back later in the week to review the Spezia match, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network.